This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, Gina. Hi, Ioni. Hi, everyone. I'm Gina, the senior editor of Polyester. Oh, hello to the listeners. I'm Ioni, the founder of Trinity for Polyester. This is the Polyester Podcast, a feminist pop culture podcast dissecting the discourse on a weekly basis. Before we start, if you're a fan of this podcast, please make sure to like, rate and subscribe. And if you really love us, you can sign up for a podcast membership where you can join our Discord and get on our Insta close friends for only three quid a month. We're not doing reviews today because obviously this is the first time we've done the intro and hopefully we have done it well, lol. Um, But if you leave (laughs) a review from this week onwards, we will read out basically. Yeah, Yeah, reviews are really important, I think. They are. They help us with the algorithm of podcasts. Yeah. For reasons that I do not understand, like most algorithms. But it's a free way to help us anyway, if you wanted to. It is, you're right there. But if you want to give a bad review, just don't bother. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, bonjour. I love. Bonsoir. Today, we are talking about the state of fashion. Um, This has all been kind of spurred on by the fact McQueen just hired a new director, a creative director, after Sarah Button, who has been at the helm since Lee Alexander McQueen passed away, um, she stepped down and they hired a white man, basically. And Gina, do you want to tell me how you asked me to describe this to you so the readers have some context? Oh, yeah. So basically, I need um, this to be described to me as if I'm a simpleton because I don't really know much about the fashion world. Um, I'm not a fashion girly. I kind of know the basics. I know who Jeremy Scott is, you know what I mean? Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I only's uh, going to lay it out in terms that I understand but hopefully there's other um, non-fashionistas in the audience who will benefit from the uh, pedantry (laughs) (laughs) so okay shortly after so the person that's been hired in at McQueen is called Sean McGear Um, he used to work at JW Anderson but there's conflicting reports as to whether he was head of menswear or ready to wear which is women's wear Um, And then it all started to kick off on social media because one granary, which is Central St. Martin's magazine, posted a meme slash infographic slash crossover of both, which was like six black and white pictures because Karen do this every time that there's a new creative director, they do a black and white portrait of them. 
And it says, Sean McGeer is replacing Sarah Button and Alexander McQueen. These are Kering's creative directors. And it's basically six pictures of six white men and they all look really similar. And the caption is, with the appointment of Sean McGeer, Alexander McQueen, all the creative directors of Kering official fashion houses and our white men. I literally don't know a single woman of my generation even approached for a job like this, a senior designer shared after the news that the head of men's at J.W. Anderson would succeed Sarah Burton started circulating. All these women have given up everything to service men paid 10 times their salary. Another woman designer shared her frustration with us. It is insulting to every woman working in the industry, not him being appointed, but having a full portfolio headed by men. We hear so much about change while diversity and equality are used as marketing strategies every day. But in truth, nothing seems to have evolved. I think so many women just give up because the route is so impossible. This appointment proved it. It's high time we engage in a difficult conversation about why these decisions keep repeating themselves in the industry, what factors perpetuate this pattern, and why actual change remains so elusive. So that was the one granary post, um, which, as I mentioned, is the magazine of CSM. So is like directly linked to education. But for anyone that like doesn't know the terminology in that post, caring which are the people that hired in this new creative director and all the creative directors is a luxury conglomerate. Conglomerate? Did I say it right? Yeah, conglomerate. So it owns a lot of different luxury fashion houses. So like a high street example of this would be when Philip Green owned Arcadia, which owned like Topshop, Miss Selfish, Dorothy Perkins, BHS, etc., Caring owns McQueen, Balenciaga, Gucci, Bottega, Veneta, which I don't know if I said that right, and Saint Laurent, and some more which people don't care about as much. It's one <laughs> of the big, like, it's like, I can't even remember their names. Caring is one of the biggest conglomerates in luxury fashion. The second one is LVMH. Side note, I've put here, the CEO of Caring is married to Salma Hayek, lol. Yeah, I always wondered why she was married to, like, some old uggo, but now it all makes sense if he's a bajillionaire. Yeah the 27th richest man in the world or something like that fucking hell she um, could probably get number one though what do you mean oh like yeah true she wanted true. to i don't know who number one is at this point maybe they actually get on maybe love's <laughs> not dead so basically even though all these companies exist in their own right the high ups are caring the conglomerate will make the decision about who becomes a creative director in that house so there's not really like internal autonomy over who becomes a creative director it's more up to like the board of caring so a lot of people call this like fashion musical chairs because creative directors have been moving around houses for like 10 years since I've been working in my professional career lol as an unprofessional fashion girly so Gucci earlier this year appointed an Italian designer called Sabato Desano in place of Alessandro Michelli, both Italian. Here, which was in research from Forbes, it said that Demna, who is at Balenciaga, is American, but he's definitely not. I think he's Georgian because this whole thing is about like Eastern Europe. Isn't his um, brother in charge of a fashion house as well? Right. So we're getting to that. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> just the one thing I knew. <laughs> Anthony Vaccarello is a Belgian-Italian man, creative director of Saint Laurent, and French designer Matthew Blasey is the creative director of Bottega Veneta. So basically, they're all white men. So the context for this is that recently there's been a trend to hire up like unknown designers into creative directors 
positions, especially at Kering. So, for example, when Alessandro Michelli did get Gucci in 2015, he'd been working there since 2002 in accessories, but was largely unknown. And then he kind of like transformed the house into what we all think of Gucci as now like granny chic, lol, um, maximalist, uh, vintage inspired, etc. Other examples are Matthew Blasey was working at Bottega before he was hired up into creative director. Daniel Lee was fired, which is how he got that job. And he was also hired as an unknown because he worked under Celine at Phoebe Philo. Sabato, who is the new Gucci creative director, was previously head of women's wear at Valentino. And when Carl Lagerfeld died, his longtime protege, Virginie Viard, Virginie? Virginie, whatever, was announced as his successor. But this is like fairly new. So more traditionally, or like in recent history, what has happened is that celebrity designers and creative directors have known to shuffle around houses among themselves. So for example, like Nicholas Gesquier, he's currently at Vuitton before that. He was at Givenchy, no, Balenciaga. Raph Simmons also, you, he went to Calvin Klein. Now he's at Prada. He's been like here, there and everywhere. So that used to happen. And like, I don't know if you remember when we were teenagers, Mark Jacobs was at Louis Vuitton. Ricardo Tisky has been at Burberry and also at Givenchy. But then that kind of stopped and changed. And what they were trying to do is like, obviously, as Instagram became more popular, etc., were was higher from like Instagram and higher like social media celebrities to be creative directors of houses, which people also had a problem with because they thought these people like hadn't earned their stripes as a designer. Obviously, like the diversity problem is a way more prescient one, but just for some context. So Denmark, who was hired into Balenciaga, is because he started his own label, Vetements, which went really like super viral. That's the one that his brother has stayed at. So he started it with his brother and then kind of migrated and now they have a rift. Um, similarly, Harris Reed was hired at Nina Ricci. People fucking hate Harris Reed being at Nina Ricci, like says it's like we're in the house. But overall, what is important to say is that like these positions aren't hired in a traditional way. Like they don't advertise to be a creative director of Gucci or um, anything like that. Alexander McQueen, like you won't be able to apply for the job. It's like very secretive how these roles are given and what the criteria is and what it means. So there's like special agencies that specifically deal with like the recruitment within fashion houses and they like a lot scout from schools like CSM. But a lot of the time it's literally just up to this board and this board, they don't work in fashion. Like they own the house, but they don't actually deal with like the day to day. So it's probably more of like a numbers crunching situation, a big risk assessment and stuff like that. So At the rival conglomerate LVMH, four women hold top positions, Stella McCartney at her namesake brand, Phoebe Philo at at her namesake brand, which hasn't even launched yet. Um, You'll probably remember Rihanna had a LVMH brand as well, but it shut down during COVID after only being like around for a couple of years. And then Maria Grazia Chiori and Camille Michelli are at Dior and Pucci and everyone fucking hates the Dior woman. Why? Because they think she's shit and they think Dior is really crap now. Mm. Um, So crunching into the numbers further, Vogue Business did an article, which is why so many creative directors white men. This is by Amy Francoum. So eight of the 33 creative director roles are currently held by women across all of fashion. Two of them include Mucia Prada being at Prada and Mimu. And one of them is Donatella Versace. There are only two people of colour men in creative director roles, which is Pharrell, who is at Louis Vuitton Men's, and Maximilian 
Davis, who's at Ferragamo. And both of those are like really recent, like post 2020 um, hires, which is interesting, I think. Thoughts so far, Gina? Uh, It's a lot to take in, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think it's very like surprising. Why? I don't know. I feel like, of course, like the elites, the the top dogs at a... at, in an industry that is about consumerism are going to be white men. Yeah, I suppose what's interesting is is like the creative director role in itself is not actually like a business-led role. Like it, they wouldn't be in the C-suite. It's more meant to be like shaping the aesthetic of a brand. Like on a day-to-day basis, they probably wouldn't even be designing clothes. It's more just like the overall vision execution. So it seems interesting that even there, there can't be diversity. Yeah, I think that title is really confusing as well. Like, especially in recent years, that it's kind of been made to be made redundant. Like, you know, like how they were making those like Love Island girlies, like creative director of fast fashion brands and just kind of like making the role not really seem as serious as it is. Yeah, but I think also it's like, it's kind of like similar to like an, being an author in film. Do you know what I mean? Like a director gets a lot of credit for making a film, but really... It's the scriptwriter, it's the DOP, it's like all of those people. Yeah. But still, it's like the director's film. Like, you're going to talk about like a Martin Scorsese film, you're not going to be like, but the scriptwriter. Unless you're like like really into film. Yeah, like you'd be like, oh, it's Tom Ford's Gucci. Like, it's Mm -hmm. they uh, take on the brand or they take on whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's how it's worked in that sense as well. So I think it's worth saying that most people that buy luxury goods as well literally probably don't care who the creative director is. Like, not that it's still really bad that there's, like, this huge inclusivity problem within fashion. But, for example, like, your random girly going and buying, like, a Vuitton bag doesn't care that who it's made, like, who's designed it because they actually haven't designed it. It'll be, like, a mainstay piece that has remained the same throughout the house's history. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. But... Still, obviously, in and another thing that was really criticised when this all went up, which is alluded to in the one granary caption, is that the discourse surrounding like the lack of diversity in these creative director positions has been um, like the onus has been on the lack of women, and particularly like the implication is the lack of white women. When really, obviously, only having eight creative directors being women is poor, but only having two, I think it's three. POC creative directors one woman and two men is like even worse in a way um and it kind of just speaks to the flimsiness of diversity conversations in these spaces I feel like that it's like oh well we're going to prioritize white women before we prioritize even thinking about getting a POC in do you know what I mean yeah but I I don't know I just feel like it's typical like I'm not shocked that these roles are these like especially a really esteemed role like a really elite role is still prioritized in that way I feel like diversity in fashion has always been like a joke and the the people are trying to like gaslight us into thinking that it's being taken it's being removed from those roles like diversity is going better now for fashion with like runway models and stuff like that but that's more the work of like independent designers than like luxury brands and a lot of luxury brands it kind of feels like they've just been pushed into shoving like um some token fat women some token women of color on the runway rather than like actually in line with like their vision and it's probably um I think you've spoken about this on the podcast before like it's just for 
consumerism because it's got to the point now where the consumer wouldn't buy from a brand that they think isn't diverse? I think the consumer will buy from anywhere though. Like I think like your average, like I don't think consumers really realize like the powers that they hold into doing that. But also I think it's interesting you saying about the curve situation because in reality, so Vogue business have actually been doing a lot of reporting around this, which is interesting because I'd also like to see Vogue and Vogue and Condé Nast in itself being audited for diversity and inclusivity. But <laughs> Anyway, um, and they found that only 1% of the models on the catwalk this season were plus size. So that's not actually improved. Like, okay, it's an improved. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's an improvement from 0%. But 1% isn't really acceptable, in my opinion, either. Yeah, it's definitely not good enough, but it's still, like, enough that they can get publicity off that and then they can they can cash in on that. So, as I said, like, Vogue basically did this big report, which was called, let me find the name, Debunking the Dream, and it was, like, a series of articles. One of them is, like, who is allowed to succeed in fashion, and one of them is, like, is working in fashion going out of style and, like, that is fashion is going out of style article talks about like mass dissatisfaction coming to a head sparking grassroots movements from strikes to union formation to phenomena like quiet quitting and the great resignation for fashion companies this means a struggle to retain talent and deliver on bigger picture agendas such as to sustainability diversity equity and inclusion which they refer to as de and i the perpetual state of stress that the industry operates from also risks capping creativity, productivity and innovative decision making. Across all roles, those who sit outside the beauty standard of youth, whiteness, Eurocentric features and slim, able-bodied also reported barriers to success, as did those who can't afford to buy trendy clothes. Those at the intersection of multiple marginalised groups suffer more. What do you think, G? Um, It's depressing, isn't it? What? Yeah, it is. 
It's just really, uh, I just think it is, is, is getting to the point now where people within those spaces are just not accepting it anymore. Whereas it used to be kind of like a fashion role was a privileged role to take. Mm-hmm. And now people are kind of have reassessed their, what they're willing to put up with, I think, especially like in Gen Z, like what they're willing to put up with in the workspace. And there's so much more of a delineation between what is work and what's your passion. And I think people would rather, fashion used to be a passion. (laughs) Um, Whereas like people would be willing to like work for free and like try and move up the industry because they just love fashion so much. Now there's so many different options to, to work within that sphere without having to give up your morals or without having to work for free now not as many as there should be that people are starting to like be a bit more repulsed by that fashion culture of um exclusivity like the kind of like ugly betty sort of ness of it all yeah I think it's a really weird one though because I think people like simultaneously pretend to be repulsed by it while also upholding it in their own way so like for example there are like a few quotes in this article where someone says like there's a real disconnect that people get a seat or not based on clout and not disability there's a snobbery in the industry that we uphold the system of gatekeeping and information looking down on people who don't know insider information um all of this kind of stuff it's like but they're also upholding that position by thinking the only good seat is in the first row like who fucking cares if you sit front row or not I'm sorry, but like, if you have a seat, then it's fine. And also, like, there's this whole thing around Fashion Week where it's like, oh, yeah, there are like systemic problems within Fashion Week that, like, a, it's, it is inaccessible, especially to people with disabilities. I'm sure lots of different people find it hard to go to Fashion Week. But I think, like, holding, don't go. Like, I feel like holding these things is like something that's like, really means you've made it if you go to a fashion week show or like really means that you're taken seriously with the within the industry fashion week shows are like really benign they're not important they don't do anything like it's basically a massive marketing technique which is fine and fun but it doesn't like cement your power in an industry it's like all smoke and mirrors definitely and by upholding them by being like no but let's have more of us there like you need to dismantle the system altogether in order to make it more equitable like not just try and assimilate within the ones that already exist and I think that's like a huge thing that bothers me in all of these conversations it's like I don't want us to aspire to be in vogue yeah this is is this delusion that like having access to this world being let in behind the curtain grants you like some sort of grandeur like there's this like mistake that like oh well they've let me in and like they're making moves to change it and like but it's not actually changing like you've been let in just so that they can like fucking pat themselves on the back or mm-hmm. like you've been interviewed in this Vogue article so you can pat yourself on the back being like I'm doing so much for disability visibility but are you yeah like, what are you actually changing like have you put on like a disabled like fashion show have you done like how many disabled people are um in vogue on a regular basis and then it says here in the statistics that basically like there was a huge diversity and inclusivity push after 2020 and after like black lives matter but it was all into like junior and mid-level positions and those people just like haven't progressed at all which i think really speaks to what you're saying there in that like yeah people are being like let in also what the fuck is that language like if you went and worked at a recruitment agency you wouldn't be like oh I'm so grateful to be let in yeah literally like it's a job it's a job like you're literally working like there is no like 
There is no good work under capitalism, sorry. I think that's where it gets, like, difficult to pass, like, the differences between fashion as art and fashion as consumerism. And people see them having a job within fashion as them, like, succeeding as a creative in a way. Mm-hmm. and that, But then there's also like these questions that need to be answered of like, why do we see commercial success as creative success? Also, it's interesting in that respect, like going back to what I said about how the people actually making decisions on who is creative director are not quote unquote creative people. Like it will literally be something where they like put people's names following. If they've been working at the house, what has their sell-through been like on the exact items they've made into some sort of like coding machine that will then come out like with a risk determination percentage? Like it's not like, oh, this person is a visionary, so we have to give them a platform. Like they don't give a fuck because it is just about making money. And like that's why they pretend to care about DNI as well, because they're like, oh, people don't people people won't accept just like thinness and whiteness and cisgender nurse and able-bodiedness but it's like realistically most people actually just will because they don't give a fuck and they just want to look like they care yeah and I think that when you break it down like they're relying too much on the fact that whoever they do pick they can say oh they've got an artistic direction or vision that we back like there's too much onus put onto the like them being an artist like they could pick fucking anyone and be like oh they've got an artistic vision they've so that's why we pick them. like they've like hustled through the industry or whatever yeah exactly um, like there's there's so much like it, it, behind the scenes it's definitely the this is the way that they've worked it out but the marketing for fashions creative directors is just so smart so reliant on the idea that people see art as respectable no matter what it is yeah it's really funny as well because like obviously the guy who's been um hired into McQueen is Irish and someone did that bend it like Beckham screen cap where <laughs> the girl's like oh they've like I've experienced racism you wouldn't understand and the guy's like of course I understand I'm Irish that's me being Welsh at <laughs> like sorry I need to have St David's Day off <laughs> um why did Sarah leave though she just had enough um well basically like McQueen got a new CEO in and sh- she probably wasn't deemed to be like commercially viable enough at that point she's not selling enough fucking trainers yeah exactly and I think that's what it all comes down to and I think like a lot of the time all of these articles that kind of speak about the problems do some like I think it's such like important and respectable work to be pointing out all of these issues but I just really don't think it goes any of the way to like address why things are like this so like another quote is talking about like you're more likely to make connections at an after party than a fashion show if you have the ability to self-teach in your formative years it probably means you're not working and you're not distracted by other things so you have economic safety and I think both of those things just speak to like a massive delusion delusion about like who actually enjoys things as well. It's like <laughs> not to be like devil wears Prada, but like everyone wears clothes. So everyone buys into the system to a certain respect. And like, just because you like, as someone that works in the fashion industry, like think it's important that you know where the cerulean blue or whatever that, that, that um, the devil wears Prada quote is like what the like, lineage of that color being important is it's like I'm actually so sorry but so many people do not give a fuck 
like what the cultural references are in a collection. Not only that, but like you knowing lots about stuff that's specific to your job is true for everyone. <laughs> like I don't know loads about fucking wrenches because I'm not a plumber. The, <laughs> wrench, the plumbers aren't going around being like, I'm better than you because I know loads about fucking wrenches. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like saying like it's an inherent privilege to be educated in fashion is so misguided I think because like how many teenagers literally spend the first like five years of their teenage life literally just reading about this literally I do think that instills this kind of attitude of like I've earned it like I came from like a village and I was really hard done by and like no one understood me there because I was a goth and then I got to London and like everyone's gorgeous (laughs) and like I'm going to a party by Katie Grant and it's like Oh, I just hate people that like seek acceptance in these spaces so much. Yeah, it's just beggy, in it? Because you're trying to be like, but I'm the good working class person who made it out of the sticks and I'm so much cooler than all the people that I went to school with. It's literally just like the pick me. It's like the ultimate pick me girl situation. I do do it a bit though. <laughs> Cards on the table. <laughs> I hate it. I despise it. Like, I think it's okay to try and romanticize your life in that way if you want to, but it does absolutely nothing for, like, it's literally just climbing the ladder and then kicking it out underneath you because, yeah, it's like, I'm the good one that, you know, defeated all odds. And it's like, well, these odds shouldn't exist in the fucking first place. Like, why are oh, so we these even. These odds aren't very big. Like, well done for passing fucking UCAS and getting into uni. <laughs> I think it just makes it so unfair to build up the fashion industry as this like elitist myth that like only a certain type of person can care about clothes and that like transcends it doesn't transcend like all any marginalization because that is still instilled on like a industry-wide level but it's meant to transcend it do you know what I mean like in theory I think that's why I I was saying earlier like that's why it's so difficult because we do both love fashion and it is an art form and it is something that we're both passionate about in a different way and it's kind of like to go back to what you were saying as well like everyone wears clothes everyone wakes up in the morning and makes a decision on what they want to wear and how they want to present themselves Mm. that's exactly the same whether you're spending 800 quid on a blouse or eight quid on a blouse Mm -hmm. and I don't think you can simultaneously like just to throw like another fucking issue in at the ninth hour (laughs) I don't think you can like simultaneously ask people to care about where their clothes are coming from so like for example all of these sustainability and fast fashion conversations and then also say they're too stupid or uneducated to understand it like yeah exactly that just doesn't make sense yeah and it's that scoffing at people who don't do enough like oh my god she thought she knows this much but not as much as me mm-hmm. or like she's bought like from the sustainability bit of pre-mark like who does she think she's like saving the world it's like well at least people are trying you know what I mean um and my final point is that I think what's that quote where it's like the tools of the master cannot be used to dismantle the house like yeah the master's house we can't we're never gonna reach we're never gonna reach equality by striving for a position of power that was built by a straight white rich man like we have to create our own like our new we need to create new ways of framing aspiration and new ways of seeking success and measuring success otherwise we're always just going to be trapped under oppression yeah there's the and we watching atlanta at the minute and they just literally did an episode about this where like um the rapper goes to this fashion house and is helping them to like apologize for doing something racist and stupid 
then they're like oh what do you want us to do with our like money like we've set up a fund and he's like oh we well, should put it reinvest it into like people having education on reinvesting in their hood da, 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 da. and then when it comes down to it like the campaign ends up just being like an advert with him speaking over the top of it and he's <laughs> kicking and he's kicking off being like for fuck's sake um you've like just take take my words out of context and used it to carry on selling shit and then like this other black guy who's there like takes him outside and is like what the fuck did you expect like this is a business. There's no yeah. way this is never not going to be a business. Why the hell would they like want to push their consumers to start thinking critically about fashion? Because it wouldn't benefit them. Because as soon yeah. as people start thinking critically about fashion, then they wouldn't want to engage with it anymore. So he's like, you need to. What what really needs to be done is getting their money and just putting it straight into like your own personal charities or your own personal work, rather yeah. than like trying to align. Uh, on something that's got like their name all over it and like it's their vision yeah that's true and with that we wrap up yeah really interesting one Ioni oh thank you well I I learned a lot too long didn't read stop saving up to buy like a designer bag and buy a younger designer if you really want to do that or get on um, DHG shut up (laughs) (laughs) no we do not condone that behaviour Okay, find it at the Peckham car boot. <laughs> yeah, go car boot. <laughs> All right, thank you, Gina. Thank you, Aioni. Thank you to the listeners and to Olivia for editing. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.